Yisrael. I want to discuss something that is Nagea, the Parsha, which is, of course, the the main place in the Torah for Maimon Har Sinai. It's interesting that on the calendar, the second day of Sivan, which is the month of Maimon Har Sinai of Matan Torah, there's a special designation. If you look at certain calendars for the second day of Sivan, and they call it the Yom HaMiyuchas, the day which is Miyuchas, the day that has a special Yichas. And the reason for this is not so clear, but there is, whenever you want to see something interesting and a source for an unusual custom, the Sefer Taimam and Hagim would be one of the first places to look. My father, Zechrena Levracha, was a very big fan of the uh, Taimam and Hagim. In fact, when the year of uh, my bar mitzvah, when everybody was buying gifts, you know, for the bar mitzvah boys of their class, so every boy, you know, was trying to figure out a really cool gift to give out to all of the boys as their bar mitzvahs were coming, and one bought like a whole box of um, pens with a digital clock on it, which today sounds very archaic, but at the time was cutting edge, and um, things like that, like cool bar mitzvah gifts, and I told my father that I need, like, to give out bar mitzvah presents for the boys in my class. And so the next day he came home with a whole crate of uh, Taimam and Hagen, as if that would make anyone happy. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that after all of the digital pens and all the tchotchkes were long gone, I'm sure many of the boys in my shir still have the, their Taimam and Hagen. So the Taimam and Hagen says that there are three reasons why this day is called the Yaim HaMiyuchas. Why is it that the second day of Sivan is known as the day of great yichas, of, day, of great pedigree? One shot is that it's the day that's wedged between great days. Rosh Chaydesh Sivan is Rosh Chaydesh, and it's Rosh Chaydesh of the month of Matan Taira. And then from Gimel, Dalit, Hey, those are the Shleishes of Mehagbalah, and so Bayes is sort of stuck in the middle. The second day, it doesn't really have much going for it. So we call it the Yaimam Yuchas because the Yuchas is that it has nothing going for it. Or it's a Lushan Saginar, it's like perhaps a, you know, a, a way of, uh, of going to the opposite extreme and saying that it has Yuchas in spite of the fact that it doesn't. Another reason that's brought there is Meshur Rabbeinu said on that very day, the Atem Tiyulimam Leches Kayanim Megai Kaddish. This is the day that Meshur Rabbeinu said to us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu declared about us that we are a Mamleches Kayanim. We are a priestly nation, Begai Kaddish, and a holy, a holy people. And because of that, that became our yichas. Our yichas was that we're special. So this is known as the yayim ha-miyuchas. And the third reason is because our yichas was the reason for Kabbalah's hatayra. 
the reason why we got the Torah, why were we Zaycha to get the Torah and not any of the other nations of the world? Because we were Meyuchastik. Chazal say there's a Yalka that says that Bishosh Kibli Yisrael is When Kalal Yisrael received the Torah, Niskanu Bahanu Meisailam, the nations of the world had an intense jealousy that we got it and not them. The Amru Maruuyim Elulis Kariv Yaisimikala Umais, and they had a Taina. And they said that Taina. Why are the Jewish people Zaycha more than we are? Because they were so full of jealousy about the fact that they were deprived of the Tairah Kadeshah. Amr Lam Akadishparchu, Sakadishparchu responds to them. Hey, Violi Sefer Yuchzin Shalachem, show me your Sefer Yuchas, and then I'll show you Klal Yisrael's Sefer Yuchas. Do you come from Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov? Do you come from the Achim, the Shvatim? That's Klal Yisrael's Yichas. What's your Yichas? And as a result of that, we were Zeichet to Kabbalah's Hatera because of our Yichas. So this is called the Yaimam Yichas. This is called the Day of Yichas because it's our Yichas that shined through and that was able to allow us to answer the Gayim why we were Zeichet to Kabbalah's Hatera and they were remaining with their jealousy. It's this third Tam of the Yemim Yochas that I'd like to speak about today. This that the Umay Salem were jealous of Kla Yisrael for receiving the Torah. It's not the only source for this jealousy. It's not the only source that we find that the Umay Salem were jealous of Kla Yisrael. There's a Gemara in Shabbos that Petesim and Aleph, my Har Sinai, what is the Word Sinai, Har Sinai, what does that mean? And the Gemara says, Har Sheyarda Sina This is the mountain of Sina, of hatred. Sinai is, is related to the word Sina. The Umay Sa'ilam, there was a Sina that came down upon them. So Rashi says that it means that Hashem had a sinner for the nations of the world for not, for not accepting the Torah when he went around and offered it. But the Ein Yaakov has a different shot than Rashi, and I think it even maybe sounds a little more Pashat than Rashi's shot. I think it's the natural shot that you would understand as you're reading the Gemara before you look in Rashi, and that is that Sheyarda Sinna that the hatred was for the Gayim. He says that the Gayim were the ones that had a hatred. Because they were not Mechabal the Torah, they had a sinna towards Klal Yisrael. The Rambam and Igeris Taman also speaks about this kinna that the Gayim have. The Rambam wrote a few letters one of the most famous ones, if not the most famous one, was the Geras Taman. The Geras Taman was a letter that he wrote to the Jews of Yemen who were suffering from persecution. They were suffering from Mashiach Sheker, a false messiah that rocked their entire community. And they needed strength, they needed chizuk, and they wrote to the Rambam for that. And the Rambam was, 
he was the most famous rabbinic personality of his time, and when he wrote them a letter, it really made a Rishim, and made a great impact on them. And in this long letter that he wrote back, he describes the fundamentals of faith to be mechazek them, and he says to U, in the middle of the letter he says, you should know, the Torah that we have is legitimate. The Torah that we have is genuine. It was given to Moshe Rabbeinu from the Rabbeinu Shalom. Kinu hagayim kulchem al And the nations of the world were so envious of us because we received the Torah, which means that. Goyim used to be jealous of the Jewish people because we have the Torah. Because of the Torah that was our possession, the Goyim coveted it so that they had a hatred towards us. And perhaps much of the anti-Semitism throughout the millennia really stems from the fact that we got the Torah and they didn't. That we became the Amanivchar and they were not... And they have this seething resentment. Perhaps they regret not receiving the Torah themselves. Perhaps they felt that they were um, that they were slighted by not being given the Torah, whatever it may be. But the Ummah Yisraelim had a tremendous kinnah sinna towards Klal Yisrael on Har Sinai. The Har Sheyarda Sinna La'adikaychav Malav. This is the mountain that the people of the world, the nations of the world resented Klal Yisrael so much because we had the Torah. And I find it interesting that for some reason, and this is not to cast a a negative aspersion on on Klal Yisrael as a whole, but certainly there are Yechidim that this flipped to Whereas we used to be the subject of envy of the Umay Sa'ilam today, by many of us, the Umay Sa'ilam are the subject of our envy. We became jealous of Gayim, perhaps more than the Gayim are jealous of us. Let me give you a story that somebody told me. I don't know if this story is true. I tried to find out the validity of it. I wasn't able to. It might have been one of these urban legends. I hope it is. The story was a few years ago in a very chashav yeshiva and maybe a 7th, 8th grade class. They were learning ksuvas together. The sugya of ger katan that if there is a minor ger, a ger who is a young boy, not yet bar mitzvah age, under certain circumstances, Matvila and Israel das Bestin, Bestin goes and they're Megayer him and they're Taival him and they, uh, they do a Geiris on this child. And the Gemara says that once this child becomes Bar Mitzvah age, he has the right to make a Macha. He could say, I don't want to be Jewish. And if at that age, at bar mitzvah age, he pronounces, he proclaims that he does not want to be Jewish, then he's not Jewish. If he doesn't say anything, then 
it's understood that he wants, he's happy with being Jewish, and he be, he's a full-fledged Jew. But that's the one caveat when it comes to making a ger katan, that at bar mitzvah age, he has the right to refuse. And there was one boy, as the Rebbe was giving this shear, there was a boy, a from boy in the shear, and he says, I don't know if he said it to his Rebbe, or he said it within earshot of his Rebbe, he says, who in the world wouldn't refuse being a Jew? And the Rebbe almost fell off his seat because, you know, that's not the expected response to this sugya. You know, it should be obvious, you should have the, you know, who would want to, who would ever refuse, not who would ever not refuse. And the Rebbe was sort of like, you know, intrigued, curious about if this was just this one boy that had that opinion, or was it more widespread? And so he said, I want everybody to do a secret ballot. Take out a piece of paper, and I want to know if you were a ger katan, and now it's your day of bar mitzvah, what would you do? Would you stay a Jew? If you want to stay a Jew, write Jew. If you want to forfeit your Yiddishkeit and you want to be a guy, then write guy. And a rave of the class, supposedly, again, I don't know if this is true, but this is the way the story was spreading like wildfire at the time, that a rave of the class said that they would be a guy. They would prefer to be a guy than to be a Jew. So something switched over here. Historically, it was the Goyim that were jealous of the Jews, that they had the Torah, they had mitzvahs, they had halachas, they had minhagim. And now something happened that at one stage recently perhaps, or maybe even not so recently, it was the Jew that became somewhat jealous of the lifestyle of the Goyim. And if you're saying that that doesn't make any sense, Think about it a little bit yourself and see if there are in times that we ourselves are not jealous of the, of the freedom, of the lifestyle that Gayim have, the ability to do what they want, when they want, and without the restrictions, without the guilt. So what happened? Why is it that we might have that hergish? Why is it that all of a sudden that sinner that the guy used to have for us, that kinah, that jealousy, it turned around on its head and now we find ourselves sometimes very, very smitten by the lifestyles of the Gayim. And I think the answer is very obvious. As we're living in Gullus for so long, for close to 2,000 years, and we are surrounded by a very good Gullus. We're not in a Gullus in Ukraine and Russia and Poland that the Jews would be beaten and, and not allowed to have certain professions or any profession, that we would be at the hands of the local parrots or the local mayor or the local governor who would be cruel and evil and make terrible gazeras against us. 
We don't know from that, Baruch Hashem, in this Golis. This Golis, America, is, is great. You have everything that you want, all the food and all of the freedoms. There's nothing restricting us from Kimat, any profession that you'd want to enter into. Maybe 50 years ago, you were restricted to certain professions. Today, the world is yours. You want to go to medical school, dental school, architect, engineer. You want to, anything that you want, technology, do whatever you want. And we're surrounded by very nice people. The Gayim seem very friendly. You go into a, a bank, an office building, a store. They're not openly mean to you. They're nice to you. They don't care if you're wearing a yarmulke, if you're wearing tzitzis out. They don't care. They're, they're very nice. And so there's a pitoy. There's a slow seduction of the Umay Sa'ilam on us. And we don't look at them as being the enemy. We look at them as being our friends, our neighbors, our... And then we see them as being able to do things that we're not. And so there's a natural jealousy, perhaps, a natural tendency to think they don't have it so bad. It's not terrible to be a guy. Guy, they're nice, they're fine, they're friendly... They're chilled. I don't see anything so terrible about Gayim. And so the Umay Sa'ilam, they sort of have a very strong hold, and especially in the age of technology, they were able to watch football games and basketball games and attend sporting events. And then if you go to you know the world of Hollywood and politics and and business, and we become enamored by all of the personalities, all of the celebrities, and we feel like a part of the culture, so we become very, very taken, and perhaps somewhat jealous of their lifestyle. And if all that I'm saying is true... So what do we do to counteract this slippery slope? How do we stop? How do we take pride in who we are and not feel that tug of the Umay Sa'ilam on us? How are we able to be happy and strong and secure and full of pride for being a Yid? The Torah has the answer to everything. You just have to know where to find it. And I think that the epicenter for this issue is Shir Hashirim. There's a Pasuk in Shir Hashirim on, on Parag Zion Pasuk Aleph. And just let me just give you a one-minute introduction to Shir Hashirim in case you don't know what it is. Shir Hashirim is what people think is a love, so- a love story between a, a man and a woman. That's the way it's written if you look at the Pshuta Shalmikra, but we know that when it comes to Shirashirim, there's no Pshuta Shalmikra. You cannot read Shirashirim with an English translation. It's probably usher to read Shirashirim with a plain King James translation because it's not, it's not, it's, it's a romance. And if you look in the art scroll, 
Chumashim, Sidurim, whenever they're translating Shashirim, it's not the literal translation at all. In case you're looking for a literal translation, you're not going to find it there because they give you a translation based on Rashi's interpretation of Shirashirim, which is basically describing Shirashirim not as a love story between a man and a woman, but as a love story between the Rabbeinu Shleilam and Klal Yisrael. Now, as in all relationships, it's not a straight line. It's not that they met and they fell in love and they lived happily ever after. That's not the way it happens in real life. There are ups and there are downs. There are moments of great closeness, yearning, pining for one another. And then there are moments that the relationship hits the skids and it's, it's not looking so good. There's problems in the relationship. Those problems sometimes correct themselves better than others. And that's what Shirashirim is. Shirashirim goes from the beginning of the relationship of HaKadosh Baruch and Klal Yisrael when they fell in love in Mitzrayim going into the Midbar Heviyani HaMelech HaDarav Nagil of Nismuchabach No one puts it better than Shlema HaMelech and Shirashirim and it speaks about Maimon Sinai, it speaks about the years in the Midbar, it speaks about going to Eretz Yisrael. It's a history lesson described in a mashal of an Isha and an Isha. In Perak Zion, we're already at the point that there are other people that are trying to seduce Klal Yisrael away from the Rabbi Yisrael. And the Pasuk says, Shuvi Shuvi Ashulamis. Shulamis is one of the names that Shlema Melech gives to Klal Yisrael. Shulamis means Hashlema Hasida, the perfect, pious one. Hashulamis. Shulamis is a girl's name today, but it comes from Shirashirim. Shulamis means the the person who's of perfect piety. Shuvi Shuvi Hashulamis. The nations of the world seduce Klal Yisrael. Come here. Come here, Shulamis. Shuvi, Shuvi, Venech Sebach, let's take a look at you. The response of Klai Yisrael as they are trying desperately to stop the overtures of the Umay Sa'ilam, who are trying to get them to come to their side, to get them to convert, to get them to assimilate, to get them to intermarry. Klal Yisrael responds, Matechezu Bashulamis, what do you see in me? Like the double camp. What does that mean, the double camp? So Rashi says, Simchas Maimed Har Sinai, Shahoya by Machane Yisrael. There was Klal Yisrael down here, there was the Shechina above the Machane of the Shekhinah, Machanayim, the two camps. What can you do, says Klal Yisrael back to the Umais. You cannot match what we experienced by Maimon Sinai, Which means to say that the one answer that we have when the Gayim are really effectively trying to brainwash us and make us feel jealous of them and their lifestyle, there's one event in Klal Yisrael's history that we could always go back to, 
And that will fortify us in our emunah, and it will make us feel confident in who we are as a nation and where we are heading. And that is Maimon Harsinai, the retort of Klal Yisrael, Pluma Yisraelim is, you have nothing on us. You might have great athletes, you might have great culture, you might have great music, you might have great cinema, you might have great theater, you might have great writers. But you do not have the Mechelis Machanaim, you do not have Maimon Harsinai. The experience that we had in this week's parsha and Parshas Yisrael can never ever be matched by any of the beauty of the Masailam, that experience which is seared into our very being because we were all by Maimon Harsinai. Our Nishamas were all there. That is what keeps us strong. That is what is able to be the firewall for all time against assimilation. The Mechelis Machanayim. The Rambam writes, again, Nigeris Teiman, Heruni Kimaymaymed Har Sinai. This is the response explaining this Pasuk in Shashim. Show me something like Maimed Har Sinai. Shayabay Machan Alekimu Machani Yisrael. We had Klal Yisrael and the Rabbeinu Shalom. Zeluma Zeh. If you could show me such an experience, if you could re-enact for me something on your level that would equate to Maimon Arsinai, Oz, Oshav Latzaschem, then we'll listen to you. Then we'll be seduced by you. Then we'll go ahead and follow you. But until you can reenact for us a Maimon Arsinai, we're going to respectfully decline because we experience something there that you will never be able to match. And the question is, okay, so Maimon Arsinai is the response. It's the answer. But what is it about Maimon Arsinai that was so powerful that it should remain with us today as a way for us to not be enamored by the Asylum? And the simple answer is that at Maimon Arsinai, we saw the Kailais, we saw the Brachem, we saw the Rabbeinu Shalom Kaviyachal. The Shechina was Medaberes, Anoichiv Lo'yiyah Lucha Mipiagvura Shaman, and we heard the Rabbeinu Shalom's voice. That's something that the Umay Salem can't match, the famous Sefer Kuzari, which describes how we know that our religion is the one genuine religion in the world. There's a lot of com- competition out there for religions. How do you know that, that Yiddishkeit is the right one? It's always the question that I'm asked. I'm not a professional theologian, and I don't know exactly how to give all of the, the right answers always. When people have these questions of theology and of, of Muna. How do you know, you know, is the whole world crazy? The whole world, the billions of people believe in this religion and in that religion. How do you know that Yiddishkeit is the right religion? There might be more than one answer, but I think the Kuzaris is the most powerful. And that is that it's the only religion, Yiddishkeit, that had Maimon Sinai, that had Shishim Rebai. We had 600,000 men and millions of women and children that publicly experienced this great event, the other religions never boast that. Other religions say they either had a prophet or they had a son of 
the Rabbeinu Shalom Chalila Bechas Afra Lepuma. But it's all a very, it's all speculation. It's all, uh, you know, it's all some one man's uh, claims. I could also say that I'm a prophet and I had this vision, I had that vision, but no one can prove me wrong and no one can prove me right. It's just my charisma that would carry me and make you follow me. That's not a, that's not a great way of, of, of having emunah and bitachan in a religion. Maimon Har Sinai is the one proof that we have. Nobody denied Maimon Har Sinai. There wasn't a, a generation of children after Maimon Har Sinai that said that never happened. If it would be false, then we would have records of, say, of people saying that, I don't know what you're talking, I was there and no, there was no kailas, there was no brakam, there was no anayichi, there was no liyilcha. Nobody ever said that. It's the only religion that has a public divine revelation that was not refuted. So Maimon Har Sinai, this Mechelis Machanaim, is itself a very powerful way of us having the proper, true convictions in Yadus. The Emunah on Hashem comes from Maimon Har Sinai. The Emunah comes from Maimon Har Sinai. And so whenever the Gayim start questioning our Emunah, questioning our religion, we have Maimon Har Sinai. You can't take that away from us. But I think that there's a deeper part of the event of Maimon Ar Sinai that really is seared into us that if we're able to tap into that sight of Maimon Ar Sinai, we would be so happy being Yidin, being B'nai Taira, learning in a base marriage, we wouldn't be jealous of Gayim in any which way. The Rambam in Marinavuchim when he's writing about Svirus Ha'aymer and how we left Mitzrayim to come to Har Sinai, he quotes a pasuk that was a little bit surprising to me when I saw it, because it's not the obvious pasuk of Maimon Har Sinai. His pasuk is that we we, we came to to the Rabbeinu Shalom. We looked forward to Maimon Arsinai Kemisha Mitzapel Lava Adam Elov. As a lover, as somebody that loves you is coming towards you. And we were counting down the days until Maimon Arsinai. And this was the Tachlis of Yitzias Mitzrayim, the Avi Eschem Eli. This is the Pasuk the Ramam quotes. Pasuk in Shemais Yotest Alad, the Avi Eschem Eli. I will bring you to me. Meaning the Rabbeinu Shalom is saying to Klal Yisrael, come to me and I want to embrace you. The purpose of Maimon Arsine was not just an experience giving over the divine law, which is the Torah. The purpose of Maimon Arsine was Va'avi Eschem Eli, HaKadosh Baruch who says, I love you and I want you to come to me. I want to get close to you. I want intimacy with you. This was the chuppah, which is Maimon Arsina. It was the love. It was, this is, this is the greatest moment of the love that existed between the Rabbeinu Shalom and Klal Yisrael. The Rabbeinu Shalom is saying, Eli, come to me. The, Rabbi, the Klal Yisrael was coming to, to the Rabbeinu Shalom. They were drawn to, to the Rabbeinu Shalom. They were smitten by the Rabbeinu Shalom. They said, midbar. They came into a midbar without provisions, not knowing how they would 
exist, but they trusted in the Rabbi Shalom. The Rabbi Shalom returned that love at Maimon Arsinai. If a person would be able to feel the Avas Hashem from Maimon Arsinai, he would not be so enamored by the Gayan. The two Machanais, the Rabbi Yisrael and Klai Yisrael, coming together with such intensity, with such love, that's something that the Umar Yisraelim cannot match. What can you give me? Can you match that love? Can you match that feeling of, of divinity, of, 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 of closeness to the Rabbi Yisraelim? You can't. And so whatever you have, as impressive as it might be, it's not anything compared to what we have. And that's the Ava that the Rabbi Nishalom has for us. This is a Pasuk that's Mephurish in Shir Hashirim. Heviyanyel beis ayayin, bring me to the house of wine, Chazal Sinai. Sinai was a, a wine house. What does it mean it's a wine house? In, in a wine house, you're intoxicated. There is a certain feeling of intoxication. You don't, you're able to turn the world off because I feel like a certain sense of, of an otherworldliness. That's the base Hayayin, which was Sinai. Vidiglu alayava. And at that point at our Sinai, there was an intensity of love. There was a demonstration, a degel. Degel is a demonstrative flag. There was a demonstration of love. Your left hand was underneath my head. Your right hand embraced me. This was all at Maimon Arsinai. This was the love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was giving us in this week's parsha. The obvious chamelai. And this was the Mechelis Machanayim this is going to be the only way that a Yid could stay from. If a Yid is being from only because he has proof that God exists, we know that that doesn't work. If you're being religious because you're afraid of Gehenim, you're afraid of Scharva Einesh, it might work, but it's not really the best way of, of carrying out your life. It's sort of, you're doing it like, a, as the Ram says, as a cotton, as an Evet, as an Isha, uh, that, you know, you're, you're doing it like, uh, you know, to get a check or to get an X. That's not a great motivational way of living a life. The real way that the Rabbi Nishlam wants us to live as Yidden is with a tremendous Ava. We love being Jewish. We love the Torah. We love the Rabbi Nishlam. We're excited to wake up in the morning and daven. If we would be able to have that excitement, we would never write down on a piece of paper that I'd prefer being a guy if I had a choice. In the Haggadah Shal Pesach we say, What does this mean? All the Mepharshim has, what does it mean? You bring me to Harsina, you don't give us the Taira, that would be Dayeno. But whatever it means, you do see from the Lashon, Iluk Kervanu, Lifnei Arsinai. It wasn't just that you brought us to Arsinai. It didn't say, Ilu Heviyanu, Laharsinai. Kervanu Lifnei Arsinai means that you brought us close, you made us intimate with you at Harsinai. That would have been enough. The Torah is wonderful, 
but it's the experience of love that was manifested at Har Sinai. That's the main thing that stays with us. That's the Mechelet Machanayim. That's the legacy of Har Sinai. That's what will drive us and our children and our grandchildren towards Mashiach because we understand that there's such love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has. We, we don't think of the Rabbani Shalem in those terms. And I think that's a problem with all of us. When we think of the Rabbani Shalem, we think of him as being angry at us. I did an Avera. I feel guilty. He's going to punish me for that. That's a, an immature approach to the Rabbani Shalem. It's not even accurate. If you look in the time of the Rabbani Shalem is not angry at us. The Rabbani Shalem loves us. The Rabbani Shalem, obviously, there is Lashayness about Harain Af, but it's very hard to get the Rabbani Shalem angry at us because he's so proud of us and he loves us. But the way that we should feel towards the Rabbani Shalem is not one of fear, but it's of pure love. I want to tell you a little story. There was a big Rosh Hashiv in Eretz Yisrael. His name was Rav Yaakov Naiman. And Rav Yaakov Naiman had a yeshiva, I believe it was in Bnei Brak, it's called Yeshivas Ar Yisrael. And there was a bachar in the yeshiva who came to Rabbi Yaakov Naiman, who was already an old, older Rosh Hashiva, and he said to him, I want the Rosh Hashiva to know that there's a bachar in the yeshiva that I don't think belongs here. I think we have to throw him out. So Rabbi Yaakov Naiman says to him, what, what, what are you talking about? Who, who are you talking about? So he says, it's my roommate. And he says, so what did he do wrong? He says, almost every night, Instead of going to night seder, he goes and he puts on a sweater and he brushes his hair, he puts on some cologne and he goes to the city, goes to the Merkaza Ir and uh, he goes outside of the city and he, uh, he goes to, you know, I don't know, to pubs and he goes to movies and he do, he's doing all types of things that are not proper and I don't think he belongs in the yeshiva. He's a bad hashpa, and it's not, it's not good for him, it's not good for us, it's not good for anybody. So Yaakov Naiman says, good, it's good you told me this. He says, next time you see him getting ready to go out of the dorm to go to the city, come to my apartment, his apartment was near, near the yeshiva, and let me know very quickly. Okay? That night, the bacher was getting dressed up and he was, you know, he looked good and he was about to go out and so his roommate quickly ran to the Rashiva's apartment and told her Yaakov Naiman that the Bachar is about to come out of the dormitory. So Yaakov Naiman says, good, thank you very much. And this roommate thought that he was going to be thrown out that, you know, Yaakov Naiman was going to catch him in the act and throw him out of Yeshiva. Yaakov Naiman, he approached this Bachar Coincidentally, like they sort of just bumped into each other on the corner. And he says this, Bachar, Shalom Aleichem, how are you? Good, Baruch Hashem, Hazar Shiva, good. He says, where are you going? He says, I just have to go, 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 on, go shopping. Okay. He says, it's very cold out. It's like, it was like a, a day like today. He says, cold out. He says, 
take my coat. Take me, you're not wearing a coat, you're just wearing a sweater, it's not enough, I'm going to yeshiva, wherever you're going, but you should wear a coat, it's very cold out. So the spacher says, no, 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 the shivas, I don't need a, I don't need a coat, I'm getting on the bus, and it's going to be warm on the bus, I'm going, it's fine. He says, no, it's not fine. He says, I insist that you take my coat, and that you, and, and it'll keep you warm. So the Bacha couldn't fight with Roshiva anymore. So he put the coat on, and the way I thought that the story would end is that he went to the base Medrash, and he learned the whole night, and he, he's a Roshiva today in B'nai Brach himself. But the story doesn't end that way. The story continues, and the Bacha told us years later, he says, I had the Roshiva's coat on, and I went to the movies that night. And I was sitting in the movie theater, and I wasn't looking at the movie. He says, I was just basking in the love of the Rashiva's coat. I couldn't look at the movie. He says, the love that the Rashiva showed me by giving me a coat was something that I never felt in my entire life. And that's what brought me back to being a regular yeshiva bacher again, quote-unquote. It's not the, always the taira, the intellectual satisfaction of a shir and of a, of a shmuz and of, a, of, a, of limerat taira that's going to bring a person back. It definitely helps a lot. But Maimonar Sinai was not just that. Maimon Sinai was the love, the warmth, the kailas, the brokham, the aish, the anan, all of the things that were manifest at Maimon Sinai, those palpable feelings of love between the Rabbeinu Shalom and Klal Yisrael, that was what is the magnet till today to stay from. Without love, without the feeling of Ava, if it's just Yira, if it's just seichel, if it's just intellect and fear, then you can do whatever you want. Then you could be jealous of anyone because they, don't, they look like they're getting a lot of love out there. And I don't feel that love here. It's the love that brings the yid back. It's the love that gives the yid the permanence and the happiness and the ecstasy of being a yid. The best mice that I ever heard, and I heard this once from a woman. There was a woman in, in Borough Park. And this woman in Borough Park had many children, and they were all very of children, you know, Kailo and, and uh, you know, teachers, and, and, and Rabbeim, and Rabbanim, and like a really of a mishpacha. And there was one child, there was a daughter that this, that this family had, this, these parents had, and she was going off the derech in a very, very severe way. She had, you know, nose rings and uh, tongue rings and uh, so all these things. She got herself, I think, tattooed. And they lived in the heart of Borough Park. And for them, this was like for them, for the whole family, it was a very embarrassing, humiliating thing that she, she would walk outside, not sneistic. She had friends that were, you know, exactly like her, and, and, and they didn't know what to do. 
It was embarrassing. And the, the siblings were screaming at her. The parents were screaming at her. And obviously none of this was helping anything. And this mother said that I didn't know what to do. There was, I, I didn't want to lose my daughter, but I didn't know how to save her. I didn't know how to, how to keep her. And the more that I got angry, the more I was pushing her off. And I came to a realization, she said, that the only solution to the problem is love. And so it was Shabbos morning, and she, the mother wakes up, and she's wearing her robe and her snood and her whatever, and, and the daughter is, is wearing beach wear. This is in the summertime. She's wearing, you know, beach attire. And she had her beach bag, and she was going. She was meeting her friends at the bus stop on the corner of 13th and 50th, Mamish in the heart of Borough Park. And the mother says, Good Shabbos, Shabbos. Where are you going? Going to the beach with my friends. So normally, she said, I would start screaming at her, Yimchal Shabbos, you're, you know, Ein Haba, and you're being, Mavazar, a good name, what are, you know, you have younger siblings, they're not going to be able to do Shidduchim, and this and that. And instead, she tried something else. She said, she gave her a hug, and she said, I love you, and I'm going to walk you to the bus stop. She says, you're going to walk me to the bus stop? She says, you know that it's Shabbos morning, it's 9.30 in the morning, every Yenta is sitting on her porch, looking down, and they're going to see you walking me the way I'm dressed to the bus stop. If they call on the Ada, you're not going to walk me to She says, I'm going to walk you to the bus stop. She says, I don't necessarily approve of what you're doing, but I love you, and you have to know that I love you. And Shitaka walked her to the bus stop, and then the bus came, she hugged her, she said, I love you, have a good Shabbos, and she walked home. And this daughter came back to be from. And it was all because of that one moment in time that she felt the love. If you feel love and you feel secure, then Yiddishkeit is beautiful. If all Yiddishkeit to you is a set of laws and a set of rules and regulations of things you can do and can't do, it's very hard. It's very hard. Probably always was hard, but it's very hard in this generation where we're surrounded by such sensuality, by such palpable things that are, are, seem so exciting and so loving and so interesting. If you don't have love, then you're not going to be able to make it through in the proper way. And that's what Maimon Arsina is. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that Maimon Arsina was just a scary giving of law. Maimon Arsina was Kervan Lufne Arsina. It was the time that Akrish Baruchu embraces us and loves us. And that's why there's a, a lav, according to many of the Mepharshim, the Maimon Amitzvahs, many of them count as a lav. Pentishkach. Don't ever forget the day that I gave you the Torah at Chayrev. Don't ever forget my Menar Sinai. What do you mean? Why, would I, why is it so bad to forget my Menar Sinai? I'm keeping the Torah. Why do I have to remember that day? Because that day was the day that filled up our neshamas with that sense of love, of belonging, 
of pleasure, of the fact that we belong and that we're loved and that we're embraced and the Rabbi Nishlam cares about us and that we care about each other. All of those feelings of Maimon Arsinai are still within us. We just have to dig a little deep and understand them and remind ourselves every day of what Maimon Arsinai was. It's not just a set of rules. It's the love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for us as well. So once a very beautiful mashal. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Klal Yisrael, Nisharim. I will carry you on the wings of eagles. That Klai Yisrael is compared to an eagle. And the mushal was that once upon a time there was a, an eagle who was flying with its pack of eagles and it clipped its wings. Something happened and it, you know, it hit a telephone wire or something and it, its wing was wounded and it went down. It crashed into a chicken coop. And it was surrounded by chickens on all sides. This beautiful eagle that has the ability to soar was surrounded now by dozens and dozens of chickens. Now, chickens are, are very tasty, but they can't fly. They're not regal. They're chickens. And after a while of being in this chicken coop and being surrounded by chickens and being fed with chickens feed and what and, and, and the daily halachielach of a chicken, the eagle began to believe that it was a chicken. And any chance of it ever flying was forgotten because chickens can't fly and I, I'm like a chicken, I can't fly either. And this eagle's chevra were always looking to find where, what happened to our friends. And one time they were flying and they noticed that in the chicken coop below, there he is. And so one of them swoops down and starts talking to this eagle and saying, come with us. Your wing is healed again. You could fly. He says, I can't fly. I'm a chicken. He says, you're not a chicken. You're an eagle. So I'm not an eagle. I'm a chicken. Back and forth. And after a long time of, of convincing him about what he really is, he started flapping his wings and he was able to soar again with his chevra. The Rebbe Shalom says, you're an eagle. You might be in Gala surrounded by a lot of chickens. And you might look at them and say that you're a chicken. And I'm an American. I dress like an American. I act like an American. When I come to America, to JFK, from another country, I feel very proud as I walk through the American citizen aisle. We're Americans. And we are Americans, and we're happy to be Americans, and it's, it's, it's good to be an American. It's a very blessed country that has been very good to us. But we're not Americans. We're Klal Yisrael. And when we look at other people around us and we're jealous of them, that's because we think that we're chicken also. But if we knew how special we are, if we knew that we were the Amanivchar, if we knew that we have Maimon Ar-Sinai, we have the Mechelos Machanayim. 
We have Zelum Azeh, Machna Elikim, Machna Yisrael. That we have the Karbanu of Nehar Sinai, that we have the embrace of the Rabbi Nishlam, the Amina Techabkeni. That would remind us for all times of who we are and would make us strong in our belief. We'd be proud of who we are. We would be happy to be hidden. We would be. We would never ever want to think about anything else but being a yid. We would feel bad for people that are not from. But it first begins with that feeling of being loved, that the Rebbeinu Shlam loves me, that Klal Yisrael loves me, that I have a place, that I feel safe and secure here, and I could fly, I could soar, I could be close to the Rebbeinu Shlam. The more that we remind ourselves of the Chayrev experience of Klal Yisrael at Har Sinai, this week's parsha, it's probably the most important parsha because it's the only way that we could continue to survive and to thrive in Gullus. As we're surrounded by the Umayyad and we look at them and we look at how they seem so happy and so content, we have to find that happiness in our own life and the happiness really, truly is rooted by understanding what Maimon Arsina was all about. This is what Shlema Melech writes in Shir Shirim, but it's something that we know instinctively, that when we're happy, I love it when guys come at a tish or on Purim and they sing Shalaya Sani Gai, is Gishmak to be a Yid. You know how beautiful that is, that there's American boys singing that it's Gishmak to be a Yid, and Shalaya Sani Gai, it's like an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It's not a simple thing. If that could be our mantra, and we really believe that it's Gishmak to be a Yid, then we're fine. We'll make it till the finish line, till Mashiach comes and takes us out of this chicken coop. But it's when we forget how Gishmak it is to be a Yid, that's when we're in trouble. When we look to the Umay Sa'ilam, and their love, and their embrace, and their definition of Gishmak, then we're really, really in danger. Maimon Arsinai is the source of Karban Arsinai, that feeling of Kirov that the Rabbi Yishlam gave us. That's the Mechelis Machanayim. That's the one remaining memory that we have that could really pick us up and, and push us through whenever we're feeling Sveikas, in Amuna, in Bitochen, in Ava, Maimon Asina is the answer to everything. We have to remember it daily, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought us to Arsinai, under the Chuppah, Yemine Techabkeni, the love, the embrace that we could still feel if we, if we try. And Mitzah Hashem, we should be zeicher, to have these continued feelings of Maimon Arsinai of that it's Gishmat to be a year to make the brach of Shleh Asani Gai with, with, with Kavana Atsuma and to feel it. To feel that I'm really, really happy to be a Yid. I want to be a Yid. I'm not doing it just because my parents were Jewish and that my rabbis expect me to be from and whatever. I want to do it because I want to do it. Because I, there's something about Yadus that's absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. The more we could feel this, the greater our lives will be. Our family life, our children amidst Hashem, our Talmidim, our communities, it has to be infused with Ava. Without Ava, if our children don't feel Ava, if our Talmidim don't feel Ava, 
If our friends don't feel Ava, then we're lost. Mitzvah Hashem, we should be zeicha to all of these feelings and many more. And we should be zeicha to once again, every, every day, have a, a renewed Kabbalah Satira. Not just the Tyra itself, not just the intellectual Tyra, but the Ava that came along with Elo Karavan Lufnei Harsinai. Have a good Shabbos.